We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go. Episode 378 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, August 17th. 2022. It is the day after the Commanders cut Trap. Yes, Trap is gone. Trap has been trapped. (laughs) The tale of Troy Apke with Washington is no more, at least for now. Uh, It certainly is possible that he'll be back with the team. But Tuesday was the day on which each NFL team had to trim its roster to a maximum of 85 players. The Commanders released Troy Apke, a.k.a. Trap, and also may have said goodbye to Samus Reyes as he was placed on the reserve injured list. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. You never know what news with the Commanders will hit you on a given day. Uh, Tuesday ended up being a jam-packed day. All kinds of stuff for you and me to get into on the show. Uh, Next segment, Antonio Gibson put on notice uh, with what went down at Commanders training camp practice on Tuesday morning. If there was any doubt that his spot as the team's top running back was in jeopardy. Uh, That doubt on Tuesday morning got smashed to pieces. Uh, I'll explain what happened and play for you very telling comments from both Rod Rivera and Scott Turner, uh, who each did a post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Also, this change for Scott Turner, uh, him going from being in the booth to being on the sideline. Uh, Both he and Ron on Tuesday afternoon talked about the change, including what led to the change. And what seems pretty clear is that a big reason for the change is Carson Wentz. And you know what? I think that that's just fine. Uh, We shall discuss. And then I'll get into some other commander's items from Tuesday, including what happened with Troy Apke and Samus Reyes. Apke got released. Uh, Reyes got placed on injured reserve and may soon be gone. We'll see. The slaying Chilean may soon be gone. Say it ain't so. Uh, also on the show, we'll talk Nationals. A crazy game for them on Tuesday night. A 7-5, 11-inning loss to the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park, despite a big clutch hit 
from C.J. Abrams. And I'll talk Orioles. Another win for them over the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, 4-2 the final at Rogers Center on Tuesday night. Uh, the O's these days are the Blue Jays' daddies. And the O's now are just a half game behind the Blue Jays for the American League's third wildcard spot. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Rich on the commanders potentially trading for disgruntled Chicago Bears linebacker Roquan Smith. I uh, talked about this on last Wednesday's show, episode 373, writes Rich, I listened to your analysis of a possible Roquan Smith acquisition being a sign that Jamin Davis would be being pushed aside. Uh, that makes sense based on the commander's defensive lineups from last season. However, with Roquan at middle linebacker and a fast Davis and Cole Holcomb on the outside, Washington could essentially have a Buffalo nickel with Davis in coverage. He's faster than all of our defensive backs. It also would allow for Washington to disguise coverages, be stout against the run, and make dynamic, penetrating blitzes. We need depth at linebacker, and Nate Gary doesn't have any upside. The potential effect on our pass rush could help our backside. Roquan is only entering his age 25 season, and we could make this work out salary cap-wise. Rod Rivera and Jack Del Rio would finally have a defense that could give even the best offenses problems. Uh, Thank you for the email, Rich. Interesting idea. You know, there still would be the issue of paying big money to an off-ball linebacker in today's uh, pass-happy NFL, uh, as uh, Roquan Smith is set to play this coming season under the fifth-year option in his rookie contract, and then is set to be an unrestricted free agent in the 2023 offseason. So you would think that trading for him also would mean having to work out a contract extension with him, to say nothing of what the commanders would have to give up to the Bears to get Roquan Smith. But the guy is a very good off-ball linebacker. Like, the value of his position is diminishing, but he is excellent at his position. And if you can acquire excellence, to me, you should always be open to acquiring excellence. And it also is true that Ron Rivera has praised Jamin Davis's coverage ability. Uh, I like the outside-the-box thinking, Rich. Uh, Email from Robert Krakauer on the Commanders. Writes, Robert, I write to you today in bewilderment. With the new fight song, new mascot, new uniforms, the name changes, and anything else that I may be forgetting at the moment, I find myself utterly indifferent to each of those items. I am in my late 20s, so I think that I am in the demographic targeted by the Washington communists. But who gives a darn about any of that crap? My friends don't. If it was a normal team, I would care. If the Nats changed anything, I would care, either positively or negatively. But the communists, they are filth, (laughs) an embarrassment to everyone who is associated with or roots for them. They are a rank person painstakingly deciding which cologne to wear on the date. I'm tired of them trumpeting their new changes. Show some humility. Shut the heck up for a while. Win some games. Continue shutting up. I know that Jason Wright had nothing to do with the last 20-whatever years of disaster, but we sure did. Show some respect to our suffering. The uniforms, fight song, and name were never the problems. The problem was that the team was bad for multiple decades. I'm going to be voting in the poll for the new mascot, but I will be voting for the worst option, in my opinion. I'm not sure which exactly that is, because I truly don't care. 
This is to say nothing of the treatment of women under Dan Snyder. This man is lucky to still be the owner. He needs to act like it. Be humble. The team needs to shut its collective mouth. Shut up until you give me a reason to listen. I don't think things are working out (laughs) with Snyder as owner. Uh, Thank you for the email, Robert. Well, the new uniforms, new fight song, and new mascot, all, of course, are a result of the new name. Uh, There are several reasons for why the team has a new name. Maybe the biggest one is the fracture that emerged between Dan Snyder and his now former minority ownership partners with the team. I mean, what truly ignited the name Redskins going away was the murder of George Floyd. But what truly put the name change over the top was the statement from FedEx, uh, for which the chairman, president, chief executive officer, and founder is now former Redskins minority owner Fred Smith. Thursday evening, July 2nd, 2020, that statement from FedEx, quote, we have communicated to the team in Washington our request that they change the team name, end quote. Uh, Nothing for the team has been the same ever since that statement came out. So that's why we have a new name, which is why we have the new uniforms, new fight song, and new mascot. The team never wanted the name change and everything that has come with the name change. And so this whole rebranding campaign has been the team trying to make the best of a bad situation. So I don't kill the team for coming up with new uniforms and a new fight song and a new mascot. I mean, I have been critical of the team for the lackluster and low energy announcement of the name Commanders this past February 2nd, but that's a separate issue. Uh, To the point of the team needing to talk less and do more. Uh, Yeah, generally speaking, I do agree with that. Uh, I am not at all a fan of the team constantly patting itself on the back for stuff, especially the team's diversity. Do you know (laughs) that there is a section in the 2022 Commander's Media Guide on the team's diversity? An actual section in the team's media guide on the team's diversity. I mean, think about that. The team needs to let the diversity speak for itself, and the team needs to stop constantly patting itself on the back for being diverse. Because the team constantly patting itself on the back for the diversity makes it look like the only reason that the team has become more diverse is so that the team can pat itself on the back for becoming more diverse. Uh, So yeah, less self-congratulatory talk and more just being better. Uh, And yes, as Robert said at the end of his email, uh, something tells me that things haven't been working out with this guy, Dan Snyder, as owner of the team. I feel like maybe we should have some concerns with that. Well, if you have concerns or questions about the health of your skin, uh, know that Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland provide excellent skin care. Call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He's a big Commanders fan. He's a loyal listener of this podcast. And operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Uh, the institute focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you are dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt 
with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. George Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings in addition to offering advanced treatments for many skin cancers, including treatments that many other practices do not offer, like SRT, which is superficial radiation therapy. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. That's 301-396-3401. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. But call 301-396-3401. You could also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skincare, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. As is always the case, I appreciate you listening to this podcast. If you have never rated the podcast, please consider doing that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you can give the podcast a five-star rating. And if you have never written a review of the podcast, please consider doing that. You can write a review of the podcast if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. The review does not have to be long. Uh, It can be just a sentence or two saying that you like the podcast, but the ratings and the reviews help to make the podcast successful. And thank you for doing them. If you are familiar, Uh, With Ron Rivera speak, if you have come to know and understand the uh, language of Ron Rivera over his two plus years as Washington head coach, you surely know of a distinction that he likes to make between things that are interesting and things that are important. The idea being that some things are interesting but don't really matter, whereas other things are truly important. Well, we on Tuesday morning at Commander's Training Camp at the team's headquarters in Ashburn, Virginia, had something that, to me, was both interesting and important. And that something is what went on with running back Antonio Gibson. Uh, So as you were probably aware, uh, Gibson, this past Saturday afternoon, in the Commander's preseason opening 23-21 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field, had another fumble. Uh, And this was a lost fumble. Uh, The guy who, for the 2021 regular season, had the most fumbles among all NFL running backs with six. Uh, That guy, in the first quarter of the first preseason game for his team for the following season, had a lost fumble. Uh, On a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 28, Gibson had a first quarter lost fumble on a shotgun handoff run for no gain, giving the Panthers the ball at the Commanders 19. Uh, Gibson carried the ball too far away from his body, allowing for linebacker Corey Littleton to punch the ball out as Gibson made his way to the ground and the ensuing Panthers offensive drive resulted in a touchdown. But it wasn't just the fumble. Uh, Gibson also had a bad game. Uh, He finished the game with just four carries for two yards and a lost fumble, and one reception for two yards on one target and playing on 25% of the commander's offensive snaps. And during the game, Gibson got benched uh, and then got brought back into the game with backups. Uh, Gibson got benched for the commander's third offensive drive, which resulted in running back Brian Robinson Jr.'s second quarter, third and goal, one-yard shot, good handoff, touchdown run. But the commanders then put Antonio Gibson back into the game later in the second quarter with backups, including quarterback Taylor Heineke in the game. And then we had Ron Rivera's post-game press conference, during which he essentially 
put Gibson on blast, but not for his fumbling. For his running style, quote, Antonio's got to run hard. When he starts to shuffle and go sideways, that's when he struggles, end quote. Uh, Also during the presser was Ron multiple times emphasizing the need for Gibson to, quote, stick his foot in the ground, end quote, including once while giving an answer in response to a question about Brian Robinson Jr. Ron, during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon, like, couldn't help himself in calling out Antonio Gibson. Now, speaking of Brian Robinson Jr., uh, he is a running back on whom the commander spent a third-round pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, uh, just as, remember, the Redskins spent a third-round pick in the 2020 Draft on Antonio Gibson. And Robinson against the Panthers was very good. Uh, Six carries for 26 yards and a touchdown, two receptions for 15 yards on two targets in playing on 16% of the commander's offensive snaps. And so with all of this as a backdrop, we got what we got at Tuesday morning's commander's training camp practice. And what we got was Antonio Gibson playing the slot in punt formations, a role that had been being filled by, yes, Brian Robinson Jr. And we had Gibson at one point practicing with the commander's third team offense. Yes, I said third team offense. Uh, Now, Gibson did also spend part of practice with the first team offense, uh, but him playing the slot in punt formations and him practicing for a period of time with the third team offense, uh, all of that stood out and was impossible to ignore given everything that happened on Saturday afternoon. Rod Rivera, on Tuesday afternoon, did a post-practice press conference. Here he was on what went on during Tuesday morning's practice with Antonio Gibson. Well, Antonio worked with the ones, the twos, and the threes. He's working with the special teams. Um, Brian Robinson worked with the ones, the twos, and he's worked with the threes as well. And he also working with special teams. Um, So, you know, that's what we're doing. Okay. Uh, sounds simple. Sounds benign. Nothing to see here. Uh, we then had the following follow-up exchange. Uh, you'll hear the question from Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic, and then you'll hear Ron Rivera's answer. Is that just obviously you want to get, you always talk about position flexibility and having guys kind of know different roles, but obviously for Antonio being the starting back, we haven't seen him in that. Is that just you like, you want to get Robinson more with the ones or is it Antonio, hey, we're get, we may need you to do some other things? Uh, we want to be able to use all our players. Okay. And that was the entirety of Rod Rivera's answer. Short and sweet. Uh, Here was another short and sweet answer from Ron on the situation at running back. Uh, This answer came via the following exchange with Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. Take a listen. Is there a competition for the starting running back job? There's always been a competition for the positions on this team. And that was the entirety of that answer from Ron Rivera. You know, something that we have come to know about Ron, when he's in a good mood and or when he doesn't have something that he's trying to conceal, he talks. Uh, Ron can give very long and expansive answers and good answers. But when Ron is in a mood uh, and or is asked about something on which he prefers not to expound, uh, he will give very short answers. Uh, He will give Bill Belichick 
like answers. Uh, Ron, will Belichick it? And Ron, on Tuesday afternoon, Belichick the questions about what was going on with Antonio Gibson during Tuesday morning's practice. And, you know, that's fine. I mean, Ron has every right to do that, but there's no way that we should just take everything that Ron said at face value and conclude that there's nothing to see here. Uh, There is something to see here, and that is that Antonio Gibson has been put on notice. Uh, The evidence now is overwhelming. Now, does being put on notice mean that Gibson has lost his spot as the commander's RB1? Uh, Not necessarily. But I tell you what, I don't think that anybody should be shocked if Brian Robinson Jr. ends up being the commander's RB1. Antonio Gibson is a very talented guy and has done some really good things for Washington. But his 2021 season was not the season that it has been made out to be. For all of the talk about him having rushed for more than 1,000 yards last season, what also was true was that he had the fumbling problem and he left a lot of yards on the field. I've talked about the advanced stats that back that up. Uh, Gibson finished the 2021 regular season number six in the NFL in rushing yards at 1,037. He became the first Washington player to have at least 1,000 rushing yards in a regular season since running back Adrian Peterson in 2018. Okay, I mean, Gibson does deserve credit for that. But Gibson also finished the 2021 regular season with the following other rankings. Uh, Number 37, among qualified players in the NFL in yards per carry at 4.02. Number 23 out of 50 qualified running backs in the NFL and football outsiders success rate at 52%. Number 38 out of 50 qualified running backs in the NFL in rushing DVOA per football outsiders at minus 6.8%. Number 22 out of 52 qualified running backs in the NFL in rushing yards over expected for the NFL's next-gen stats, and number 37 out of 52 qualified running backs in the NFL in rushing efficiency for the NFL's next-gen stats. Uh, Gibson's 2021 season was nowhere near as simple as he rushed for over 1,000 yards. And the commanders certainly seem to agree with that because they spent a 2022 third-round pick on a back in Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, But yeah, the fumbling. I mean... (laughs) Antonio Gibson has got to get his arms around this fumbling problem. No pun intended, okay? And I'm sure that he knows that he has got to get his arms around this fumbling problem. Uh, Commander's offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, uh, he did a post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon. This was, Scott, on how much Antonio Gibson's fumble on Saturday afternoon impacts how Scott views Gibson. You know, that's one of the first things that we talk about uh, when we when we get together um, as an offense when training camp started is protect the football. Uh, you know, we can't have we can't waste possessions. You know, and obviously, if you fumble the ball, um, that's a that's a waste of a possession. So, you know, that's a, a ball carrier's first first job is to protect the ball. So, you know, we can't have that. He knows that. I'm not saying anything to you guys that hasn't already been said to Antonio. I read his his comments. I know he said the same thing, um, and it's something that that has to be fixed. Yes, it does. Uh, Now, Scott Turner doing a post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon marked the first time that he spoke to reporters in a group setting since Commander's training camp started. Uh, Here was Scott on Tuesday afternoon on Brian Robinson Jr. Brian's been great. He's a real serious guy. Um, You know, football is extremely important to him. He takes a lot of pride in... uh, 
you know, being a physical runner, but he, he can he can run too. And uh, I was I was happy and impressed with him the way that he ran. You know, some things, um, you know, he wasn't perfect on his tracks and stuff like that, but he runs so hard he was still able to gain positive yardage. Um, and uh, you know that, that's that's great to see from a back, and I think he'll continue to get better too um, as he as the reps increase. I mean, that's his first time ever playing in a game where you're getting tackled in the league. So. Yeah, you know, something that Brian Robinson Jr. has going for him is a tendency to run forward and fall forward. Uh, Alfred Morris was great at doing those things during his time as a Redskins running back. Run forward, fall forward. When you do those things, you generate positive yardage. Uh, You pick up extra yardage. You generate yardage after contact. Uh, Robinson, like Alf, a very physical runner. Robinson, in his 2021 redshirt senior season at Alabama for Pro Football Focus, had 891 yards after contact. That ranked 12th in the FBS and had 79 missed tackles forced. That ranked tied for 6th in the FBS. And so with Brian Robinson Jr. being a bruising physical back, is that why the commanders drafted him? Remember what Ron Rivera raved about during Washington's four-game winning streak last season, the way that Washington won those games, you know, ball control, uh, running the football quite a bit as the games went on, winning time of possession. I mean, the formula was rather old school, but the formula did work, at least for a month. Uh, Scott Turner on Tuesday afternoon on whether a big reason for the commanders drafting Brian Robinson Jr. is to play the ground and pound style uh, that the team played during its four-game winning streak last season. No, that wasn't really what what went into it. Um, you know, we we you always whether through draft or agency, you want to get as many good players as you can. You know, and we felt like at that spot in the draft. Um, you know, he was the best player available. Um, we wanted to add another back. You know, we have obviously Antonio, JD, we have some other guys. We wanted to add another guy to help that room. And, uh, you know, we everyone in the building liked him. He was there. So we were able to get him. Obviously, his style, that's his type of style where he's a physical runner. But like I said, I mean, he can run away from guys, too. Uh, he's got some good speed. So he, he's really a he can he can do it all. And and. Um, the thing that surprised me about him once we got him is he, you know, he can catch the ball in the backfield pretty well. Also, um, obviously, he had the two catches um, in the game on Saturday. Yes, he did, and yes, Brian Robinson Jr. can do well as a pass catcher. Uh, Robinson, in his 2021 redshirt senior season at Alabama, 35 receptions for 296 yards and two touchdowns. Well, if your lawn right now is about as appealing as Antonio Gibson's fumbling problem, you got to get with Weedman. Uh, I don't know if Weedman can correct Antonio Gibson's fumbling problem, but I do know that Weedman can fix your lawn. Uh, Weedman cares for your lawn so that you don't have to. Uh, Weedman provides what your lawn needs to look great. Fertilization, weed control, aeration, seeding, and a variety of other services. If you don't have the time or the knowledge to make your lawn look great, no worries. Let Weedman take care of your lawn and take advantage of a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. A fall tune-up at a great price and aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $219. Uh, that's about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. 
Uh, Weedman is a national network of locally owned franchises, so you'll receive the personal service that you deserve. Uh, Weedman's products are of the highest quality, uh, the best weed controls, state certified seed. Uh, Weedman's secret sauce is the fertilizer. All of Weedman's organic based fertilizer applications feature 65% super slow release nitrogen that feed your roots slowly and effectively. You see, Weedman has a mastery of the science behind a great lawn. And so put Weedman to work for you. A beautiful spring lawn starts in the fall. So take advantage of this special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a fall tune-up at a great price, an aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $219. That's about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. That's 571 571- 340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast. You can also Google Weedman and make a web request. Just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast. Weedman, a great lawn at a great price with great personal service. So, like I said last segment, we on Tuesday afternoon had Commander's Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner doing a post-practice press conference. This was the first time that Scott spoke to reporters in a group setting since 2022 Commander's training camp started. And something that Scott got asked about a lot was this change that he has made uh, as he has gone from calling plays during games from coaching booths for the team to calling plays during games from team sidelines. Uh, an NFL assistant coach during a game can be in one of two places, uh, the team sideline or a coaching booth. Uh, Scott, over his first two seasons as Washington offensive coordinator, was in coaching booths. But Scott, during the commander's preseason opening 23-21 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field this past Saturday afternoon, was on the commander's sideline. And the plan moving forward is for him to be on commander's sidelines during games. Uh, Now, what's hard to ignore is the timing of this. The commanders in March traded for quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, He, in theory, is the most gifted quarterback who the team has had in years. Uh, This coming season needs to be a step forward season for the team. Head coach Ron Rivera has made that very clear. But the commanders, as you may have heard, uh, are Carson's third team in three seasons. And there has been a lot out there about Carson's coachability and leadership and sensitivity. And so you wonder if a reason, maybe even the biggest reason for Scott going from the booth to the sideline is to have quality communication with Carson, to have face-to-face, more personal interactions with Carson. And by the way, I don't think that that's bad. Uh, If, in fact, the acquisition of Carson Wentz is what has driven Scott to go from the booth to the sideline, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I don't think that that's a faulty way of thinking. Uh, I also would throw this into the mix, too. Carson Wentz has never quarterbacked an NFL offense that wasn't masterminded by either Doug Peterson or Frank Reich. Uh, Peterson was Wentz's head coach with the Philadelphia Eagles from 2016 through 2020. Reich was the Eagles offensive coordinator for the 2016 and 2017 seasons and was Carson's head coach with the Indianapolis Colts last season. So Carson has never not had the mastermind of the offense that he's quarterbacking in the NFL, not on the sideline. Uh, Those Eagles offenses were Peterson's offenses, and Peterson 
was the head coach, and the Colts offense last season was Reich's offense, and Reich is the Colts head coach. So it may well be that Carson is most comfortable with his offensive mastermind on the sideline. Uh, Rod Rivera, during a post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon, on whether Scott Turner moving to calling plays from the sideline uh, is a move that was made after the team traded for Carson Wentz in March. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. I think it was a, a, um, an adjustment made after Carson. I think part of it, too, is just in talking with Scott, um, talking about communications in the field. Um, we just feel that this is something that gives us an opportunity to be right there and get instant feedback as opposed to having to have it cycle through a co- quarterback coach and then to the Is that some feedback Carson gave you? Like, hey, I like my play call on the sideline or anything like that? Um, no, it's a conversation Scott and I had. All right, so Rod Rivera right there said that Scott Turner going from the booth to the sideline was, quote, an adjustment made after Carson, end quote. So this change would seem to be something being fueled, at least in part, by the trade for Carson Wentz. And like I said, I'm not mad about that. Uh, As long as Scott believes that calling plays from sidelines can work just fine and isn't doing this, like, against his will, only to appease Carson, uh, then I would have a problem with the change. And uh, actually, I do applaud Ron Rivera and Scott Turner for adapting to their player. Uh, That's what good coaches do, you know, adapt within reason to their players. Uh, This was Scott Turner on Tuesday afternoon on what prompted him to go from the booth to the sideline and on whether he expects that change to continue into the regular season. Yeah, so I do. I continue. I, I do expect that to continue. Um, you know, obviously, we can, you know, you can always change your mind, but I don't anticipate that at this point. Uh, the the communication, I think the communication, obviously with Carson, but also just with the other guys on the offense, um, just being able to speak directly to them if there's something that I need to say um, is huge, you know, and and then being down in there, being, you know, you're kind of more, you feel like you're a little bit more part of the game. Um, that part is important. But the number one thing is just just having that communication mainly with the quarterback. All right. Uh, when and how did Scott Turner arrive at this decision to go from the booth to the sideline? Uh, it's something that I've been thinking about really over the course of the entire offseason, even, you know, as soon as the season ended. Um, you know, do I want to make that change? Um at practice, you know, there's things that me and Carson will talk about that I think are really valuable for myself and for him, you know, just how he's seeing things and hearing it directly from him, not, you know, through another person or not having to get him on the phone or, get, you know, have somebody give him a headset, um, you know, and then stuff that I can say to him. And, and then that really confirmed it where it's like, hey, I think this is important to have that direct line of communication and uh, talk to Coach Rivera about it. And he was all for it. So just decided to go with it. Okay, so according to Scott Turner right there, it sounds like he was pondering moving from the booth to the sideline prior to the commanders trading for Carson Wentz in March, but that the trade for Carson clinched the decision. Scott Turner on Tuesday afternoon on whether he talked to Carson Wentz about moving from the booth to the sideline. Yeah, I did. And um, I just talked to him about it uh, just, you know, after I talked to Coach Rivera um, about you know, just being down there and be able to communicate. And he was excited about it. You know, he was excited to be able to talk to me in between series, knowing that, you know, that's who the play's coming from. And um, we can have that direct line of communication. 
Yes, uh, communication is key, uh, especially between an offensive play caller and quarterback, especially between an offensive play caller and a quarterback with whom there have been questions about coachability and leadership and sensitivity. Uh, Although I think that we have seen signs since the commanders traded for Carson Wentz that he has learned some lessons and, you know, isn't the uh, awful, terrible, horrible human being he has been made out to be. We'll see. You know, time will tell. Uh, Now, it's important to understand that Scott Turner calling plays from the sideline as opposed to in the booth doesn't mean that the commanders won't have any coaches in the team's booths. Uh, The commanders, even with Scott on the sideline, uh, will have eyes in the sky. Uh, Here was Scott on Tuesday afternoon on that. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. The guys that are up there, I mean, basically, I went, I went down and uh, Jim Hossler went up. You know, I've worked with Hoss for, uh, you know, a while now. I guess this is going into our fifth year together, um, but he, or fourth year, and he, um, you know, we have a lot of conversations about football. I know um, I can trust what he sees. Um, then the other guys that, that were up there with me, I know that they, you know, see it um, also. So, you know, I'm going to get the information. We get the pictures in between the side. You're not getting it right away. I mean, if I ask a question, I can get it in between plays. Um, but you can see pretty well on the field, too, and you can piece it together. What you can't see, you kind of understand um, just by knowing the defensive scheme. Uh, but, yeah, having those eyes up there and, and guys you trust is very important. Yeah, Jim Hustler. Uh, he is the commander's senior offensive assistant. He, in February 2021, was promoted from Washington receivers coach to senior offensive assistant. Uh, as for how things are going with Carson Wentz, uh, Scott Turner on Tuesday afternoon on how Carson is doing. Every day you can see, you know, that comfort level of his increasing. Um, and I've been, you know, really pleased with that, um, you know, and the work he's done with his teammates, getting to know them, just getting a feel for, you know, how they play, the guys he's throwing the ball to. And um, I just feel like, you know, he's getting comfortable and in turn, you know, we're getting better. And that's what matters right now. Getting better. Improvement. Uh, it's like the lyrics in the great song by Guns N' Roses, Mr. Brownstone say, I used to do a little, but a little wouldn't do. So the little got more and more. I just keep trying to get a little better, said a little better than before. That's all you're trying to do, man. Keep trying to get a little better, set a little better than before. Although I'm not sure that Axel Rose was talking about Carson Wentz, but anyway. Uh, I am sure that when it comes to buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you gotta get with Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You may be wondering if now is a good time to buy a home given what has been happening with mortgage rates. Uh, The answer is yes. The rates are sidelining buyers causing high-level inventory, the likes of which we have not seen in years, and this presents a huge opportunity for buyers. Uh, Think of it like a contrarian approach in sports betting or in analytics. When everyone else is zigging, you should be zagging. With so many other buyers sidelined, that is causing a major rise in inventory and a major reduction in prices. So now is the time to buy. Kellen Hunt understands all of this. He gets that now is the time to pounce. So visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. 
Kellen Hunt has a mastery of the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, but he's not just some know-it-all. He is here for you, to listen to you, to hear what you want, and then determine the best way of going about getting you what you want, no matter your age or situation in life. And his website says it all, closeitwithkel.com. Kellen Hunt is a closer. Kellen Hunt will close you buying the home that you want, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you, the buyer, get a piece of the action. If you are looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, if anyone who you know is looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, the name to know is Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkel.com. That's closeitwithkel, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. If you're trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kel. Visit closeitwithkel.com and tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. So it was on Tuesday by 4 p.m. Eastern that each NFL team had to reduce its roster to a maximum of 85 players. The commanders, in reducing their roster to 85 players, trimmed two notable players. Uh, The commanders on Tuesday morning placed tight end Samus Reyes on the reserve injured list, and the commanders on Tuesday afternoon released corner Troy Apke. Uh, Let us begin with Apke, a.k.a. Trap. And uh, so much for the Troy Apke special teams excellence, I guess. Uh, Remember with last year's cut down to 53, how Apke being kept but corner Jimmy Moreland being cut was such a big deal. Uh, And head coach Ron Rivera talked about keeping Apke due to him being such a great special teams player and how other teams had to game plan for Apke. Uh, Well, uh, so much for that. Uh, Apke now is gone. Now, maybe Apke ends up being back. Okay, this doesn't necessarily mean that he's gone forever from the team. But for now, he is gone. Uh, Troy Apke during 2022 Commanders training camp had been dealing with some sort of injury, so perhaps uh, that was the deciding factor here. Uh, Now look, Troy Apke is a good special teams player. That's not some false narrative. Like, no, he is a good special teams player. But A, uh, the commanders now have a number of other good special teams players, including safeties Derek Forrest and Percy Butler, linebackers Kalik Hudson and David Mayo and receiver Cam Sims. And B, Apke is only a special teams player. And... In the modern NFL, in the position flex NFL, as Ron Rivera himself might say, a player who you only trust to play on special teams and nothing more is an expendable player. What's funny is that the Commanders this past offseason did re-sign Apke. Uh, The Commanders on March 17th officially announced the re-signing of Apke as an unrestricted free agent. Uh, The Redskins took Troy Apke in the fourth round of the 2018 NFL Draft out of Penn State. Apke, in his 2018 rookie regular season, played in just two of the Redskins' 16 games due to a hamstring injury that initially was suffered in a win at the Arizona Cardinals in Week 1, uh, then was re-aggravated in practice, and then was re-aggravated in a win at the New York Giants in Week 8. Uh, Apke, in the 2019 regular season, played in 15 games, but on just 18.55% of Washington's defensive snaps, although he led Washington in special team snaps at 74.8%. Then came Apke's 2020 season, uh, what was Washington's first season with Ron Rivera as head coach. And as you may recall, Apke began the 2020 regular season 
as Washington's starting free safety. He was Washington's starting free safety for each of the team's first five games, and things did not go well. Uh, He ended up barely playing on defense for most of the rest of the season, although his special team snaps did shoot up once he stopped being a defensive starter. But things just did not go well with Troy Apke as Washington's starting free safety to begin the 2020 regular season. Uh, Apke for the 2021 season made the switch from safety to corner, but he in the 2021 regular season played on zero defensive snaps. Yes, zero defensive snaps. Uh, He did play on a team high 81.3% of the team's special team snaps, but Washington last season deemed Troy Apke unplayable on defense. I mean, that is something. Zero defensive snaps the entire season, despite him playing in all 17 of Washington's regular season games in the 2021 season. Again, good special teams player, but good special teams play can only take you so far. Meantime, Samus Reyes. Uh, So Reyes in the commander's preseason opening 23-21 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field this past Saturday afternoon played on zero offensive snaps and just two special team snaps due to a hamstring ailment. And the commanders placing Samus Reyes on the reserve injured list now means that he cannot play for them in the 2022 regular season without them waiving him. Uh, Putting a player on the reserve injured list prior to the cutdown to 53 is different than putting a player on the reserve injured list after the cutdown to 53. Uh, There's a difference there. You can't just stash a guy on the reserve injured list uh, at some point in the preseason. Um, So it is possible here that Samus Reyes is done with the Commanders. Uh, Now, Commanders Media Relations put out the following message on Tuesday morning about what now with Samus Reyes, because it is confusing. Uh, Quote, two things can happen from here. First, a settlement can be reached within the next week, and the player is released from injured reserve with the settlement. Because it's happening within the next week, the player has the ability to be signed back to the team later in the season. Second, no settlement is reached, and the player continues to rehab until healthy. Then the player is released off injured reserve healthy. That player cannot return to the team in the same league year. So we'll see what ends up transpiring here with Samus Reyes. The Samus Reyes story. Uh, Washington on April 13th, 2021 announced the signing of Reyes, who technically was an unrestricted free agent. Samus Reyes was born in Chile. Uh, He became the first Chilean-born NFL player last season. Reyes played college basketball at Tulane, for two seasons, 2016-2017 and 2017-2018. But Reyes didn't play much in terms of basketball at Tulane. He graduated from Tulane in 2018, played for the Chilean national team in 2019, and then in May 2020, decided to try what he had been told to try for a while, football. So this guy has only been playing football since May 2020. Reyes spent 10 weeks training at IMG Academy in Florida, then worked out in front of scouts at the University of Florida's Pro Day on March 31st, 2021. Uh, The idea was for him to enter the NFL via its International Player Pathway Program, in which players allowed into the program are allocated to NFL teams in one division in each conference. Uh, Washington, for instance, received German defensive lineman David Bada in July 2020, and Bada is still with the team. But Reyes did so well at that Florida Pro Day in March 2021 that Washington actually just signed him as an unrestricted free agent. 
Uh, Reyes, per the relative athletic score metric, tested as the most athletic size-adjusted tight end to ever enter the NFL. Yes, ever. And if you've ever seen Samus Reyes, you know the guy is built like a bodybuilder. He is a true athletic freak. And so because of all of this, and there was a good bit of hype for Samus Reyes uh, last offseason and even last preseason, Washington ended up stashing Reyes on its 53-man roster last season. Uh, Samus Reyes was one of four tight ends who made Washington's initial 53-man roster for the 2021 season, and he spent the entire 2021 regular season on Washington's 53-man roster, with the exception of a stint on the reserve COVID-19 list, as the team thought enough of him not to expose him to waivers in an attempt to put him on the practice squad. Uh, Reyes, in the 2021 regular season, was inactive for six of Washington's 17 games. He was inactive for each of Washington's first four games. He was inactive for the 27-17 loss at the Philadelphia Eagles in week 15 due to a concussion, and he was inactive for the 22-7 win at the New York Giants in week 18 due to a hamstring injury. Uh, Samus Reyes in the 2021 regular season played on just 39 of Washington's offensive snaps, although he did play a decent amount on special teams, played on 33.1% of the team's special team snaps. Uh, He's not necessarily done with the Commanders, but he could be done with the Commanders. Uh, One other item from Commanders training camp on Tuesday, uh, guard slash center Wes Schweitzer may be hurt. Uh, He left practice early. This was Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference. Uh, A little bit of concern, though. He he, he did land on his hip, um, and it it kind of got sore on him, so... We pulled him out and sent him up to shower up, and uh, start getting some treatment on it. And uh, you know he'll he'll see uh, you know he'll get he'll get rechecked afterwards, and we see where he is. All right, that'll be something to monitor. Wes Schweitzer's health, key interior offensive lineman for the team, and he has been serving as the team starting right guard uh, with Trey Turner continuing to be out with a quadriceps ailment. Up next, I'm talking Nationals. Uh, A wild game for the Nats on Tuesday night. Uh, The game was a loss, but the game also featured a big hit from shortstop C.J. Abrams. We'll get to that and a lot more from what ended up being a crazy 7-5, 11-inning loss to the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park after this. Well, if you're like me, you like coffee, and coffee is a part of your routine. I drink coffee before every workout, and I'm a big fan of Trade Coffee, which right now is offering something very special to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. More on that offer in moments. But Trade Coffee tastes great, and Trade Coffee comes from a great place. Trade Coffee sends you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters, small businesses that pay farmers fair prices to sustainably source the greatest beans from around the world. So buying Trade Coffee gets you delicious coffee and supports small businesses and farmers. And here's maybe the best part. Trade Coffee tailors its coffee to you. Uh, You complete a very brief coffee quiz and you get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you like. No gimmicks. Uh, Trade Coffee delivers a bag of freshly roasted coffee as whole beans or ground for however you brew your coffee at home. And Trade Coffee guarantees that you'll love your first order or Trade Coffee will replace your order for free. Trade Coffee is a great model. There's no one perfect coffee but there is a perfect coffee for you. And so here's a special offer for listeners of this podcast. Trade Coffee is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off 
first orders plus free shipping. Just go to drinktrade.com slash algaldi. Drinktrade.com slash algaldi. Take the quiz and let Trade Coffee find you the coffee that you'll love. Again, $30 off. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Visit drinktrade.com slash algaldi for $30 off. That's drinktrade.com slash algaldi for $30 off. One more time, visit drinktrade.com slash algaldi for $30 off. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, there are many stats and facts that capture how bad the Nationals have been over the last two seasons. How about this? The Nats now are 3-18 and in extra inning games over the 2021 and 2022 regular seasons. 3-18. and I mean, that is brutal. And honestly, some of that is just bad luck. But no doubt, a good bit of that uh, is the state of the Nats, uh, who on Tuesday night suffered yet another extra inning loss, uh, a 7-5-11 inning loss to the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park in Game 2 of a three-game series. Uh, the Nats now are a major league worst 39-79 and with a major league worst run differential of minus 211. Uh, this game started off as a nothing happening game and then became a bonkers game. And so there's actually a lot to get into with this game. Uh, first of all, C.J. Abrams. Uh, so the Nats on Monday afternoon recalled shortstop C.J. Abrams from AAA Rochester. Uh, the Nats acquired Abrams via trade with the San Diego Padres as part of the six-player package for right fielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell on August 2nd. Uh, Abrams is the top player who was acquired by the Nats in that trade in terms of how the prospects in the trade were viewed. And Abrams on Tuesday night had his first big hit as a Nat. Uh, Abrams in a Nats one-run tenth, a two-out RBI single through the right side of the infield to tie the game at five. Uh, pinch runner Alex Call slid under the tag of Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras. Uh, Cubs manager David Ross challenged the play, but Call being safe at home was upheld as the call regarding Call uh, was upheld. Uh, but major clutch hit right there. For C.J. Abrams, a great job by him. Nats manager Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Tuesday night on C.J. Abrams. 
Yeah, he's uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately you know, he, he's getting he's getting a little bit of a uh, face a bunch of lefties, but he stays on the ball really well, and, and the swing stays through the zone really well. So, you know, um, yeah, I'm glad he got his first hit and a big one at that. You know, now he can you know kind of loosen up a little bit, uh, but he the kid's not afraid. You know, kid goes out there and he competes, and he had some good swings today. Um, so, I, you know, I told him it's just a matter of time before the, you know the, the ball start dropping in there for you. I said keep keep battling, you know, keep swinging, and uh, it's good that he. Came up, came through, and got got a uh, big hit, big base hit, and an RBI. What, what stood out to you in that at bat for CJ, where he was able to connect on the hit versus the previous ones? You know, he's he, you know he, he's you got to learn a little bit on those lefties is to kind of get the ball up a little bit. I mean, you know, they're gonna throw some sliders, they're gonna try, try to get him to chase, get him get him in the zone. Um, and when he does that, he's like I said, he, he's 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 got good uh, hand-eye coordination, you know, and, and he usually puts the ball in play, but, but when the ball's in the strike zone. So that's something that, you know, he's going to learn over time. Um, but like I said, he's got great bat-to-ball skills. Um, and it's, it's, it's fun to watch him go out there and compete because he, he truly competes. I mean, every pitch he's engaged and he's, he's in there. So um, like I said, he came through in a big moment. So that's awesome. Yeah, you know, also for C.J. Abrams on Tuesday night was him continuing to shine defensively. Uh, Abrams in Kyle Finnegan's perfect top of the ninth with the game tied at four began the inning with back-to-back assists, including Abrams impressively and quickly shuffling his feet and moving to his left deep on the infield dirt uh, to field a one-out ground out by Nico Horner. Uh, C.J. Abrams defensively very much looks the part. Uh, He's been a lot of fun to watch. By the way, MLB Pipeline on Tuesday came out with an updated ranking of the top 100 prospects in baseball. The Nats have four of the top 58 prospects in baseball for MLB Pipeline, and that's with MLB Pipeline not considering C.J. Abrams to be a prospect. Uh, But the four Nats prospects among the top 58 prospects in baseball per MLB Pipeline, uh, outfielder Robert Hassel III. Uh, he is the number 23 prospect in baseball. He was just promoted to A Harrisburg. Uh, he was acquired in the Juan Soto trade. Uh, outfielder Elijah Green is the number 29 prospect in baseball. He was the Nats' 2022 first-round pick. Uh, outfielder James Wood is the number 35 prospect in baseball. Uh, he, too, was acquired in the Juan Soto trade. And starting pitcher Cade Cavalli is the number 58 prospect in baseball. He was the Nats' 2020 first round pick. But back to this game against the Cubs on Tuesday night. Uh, So the Nats on Tuesday night had 13 hits and four walks. And the Nats on Tuesday night rallied. Uh, They overcame a 3-0 six-inning deficit, scored a run in the bottom of the sixth, scored a run in the bottom of the seventh, and scored two runs in the bottom of the eighth. And the two runs in the bottom of the eighth came via home runs by Luke Voigt and Lane Thomas. Uh, Luke Voigt, he and that Nats two-run eighth, a leadoff homer to left field over the Cubs' bullpen to cut the Nats' deficit to 4-3, uh, despite having been down at the count at 1.12. Uh, the homer went and projected 413 feet per stat cast. Uh, Voigt on Tuesday night as the Nats' starting first baseman and number three batter, one for four with a solo homer, a walk, and two strikeouts. Uh, he in the bottom of the fourth Drew a one-out six-pitch walk. And Lane Thomas, uh, he and that Nats two-run eighth, a one-out solo homer to left field into the Cubs' bullpen to tie the game at four. Uh, Thomas on Tuesday night was the Nats' starting left fielder and number five batter. He went one for five with the solo homer, uh, did strike out twice, 
did leave four men on base. You know, Lane Thomas has not had a good season, although he does now have an extra base hit in each of the first two games in this series. Uh, Thomas on Monday night in the 5-4 Nats win over the Cubs as the Nats starting center fielder and number eight batter, one for four with a double. Uh, He in the bottom of the second had a two-out full count double to right field. Uh, Two other offensive standouts for the Nats on Tuesday night, Cesar Hernandez. Uh, He is the Nats starting second baseman and number six batter, three for five with two doubles and a single. Uh, Hernandez in the bottom of the fifth had a leadoff single up the middle on an 0-2 pitch. Hernandez in the Nats one run seventh, a leadoff first pitch double to right field. Hernandez in the bottom of the eighth, a one-out double to right field on a 1-2 pitch. And how about catcher Kbert Ruiz? He didn't start the game uh, due to having taken a beating in Monday night's game, but he on Tuesday night came off the bench and had a single and a walk. Uh, Ruiz in the Nats, one run seventh, a pinch went out opposite field single to left field, and Ruiz in the bottom of the eighth drew a two-out five-pitch walk. But also for the Nats in this game, was another woeful Victor Robles blunder. Uh, These Victor Robles blunders are just painful. And this one on Tuesday night may have been the worst one yet. Uh, So Robles on Tuesday night was an ad starting center fielder and number one batter. He went one for two with a single and a walk. Uh, Robles in the bottom of the first had a leadoff single to center field, but he moments later had a terrible base running mistake. He on a Joey Manessis line out to Cubs right fielder Seiya Suzuki, did not get back to first base before getting doubled up. Uh, He was really slow to get back to first base, and then he didn't slide back into first base. And the play happened right in front of Robles. Again, he was on first base, and Manessis lined out to the Cubs right fielder, Seiya Suzuki. Uh, Robles has been guilty of a lot of boneheaded plays. This boneheaded play may have been the boniest of the boneheaded plays. Uh, This was really bad. Uh, The Nats starting pitcher in this 7-5, 11-inning loss to the Cubs on Tuesday night was Patrick Corbin. Uh, Yes, Patrick Corbin was back off having had his uh, previous turn in the Nats rotation skipped off him having been horrendous lately, even by his standards. Uh, Corbin came into this game having allowed 30 earned runs in 21 and two-thirds innings over his last six starts. It was the previous Tuesday, August 9th, that Davey Martinez in a pregame press conference announced that Corbin's next scheduled start would be skipped. Well, uh, it was skipped, but Corbin was back on Tuesday night. Now, Corbin was better, but he still was bad. Uh, And that tells you all that you need know now about what has happened with Patrick Corbin. Uh, Corbin on Tuesday night, four runs in six innings. Uh, Now, he in two of his previous three starts had had the same wretched final line of six runs in a third of an inning. So yeah, four runs in six innings is better than six runs in a third of an inning. But four runs in six innings still is bad. I mean, that translates to an ERA of six. Uh, Corbin on Tuesday night gave up six hits, a homer, two doubles, and three singles. He issued two walks. He recorded three strikeouts. He threw 97 pitches, 59 strikes versus 38 balls. Uh, So Patrick Corbin now in the 2022 regular season, ERA of 696, a whip of 180. Uh, Here was Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Tuesday night on Patrick Corbin. I thought uh, I thought Corbin threw the ball a lot better. Um, 
you know, yeah, for the most part, he, you know, he kept us in, in the game there and uh, by the ball, he threw the ball better. He threw a lot more change-ups, um, some good ones. And, and like I said, some, you just got to keep working on getting the ball down. Um, when he's down, he was effective. A couple balls he left up. You know, he, he got hit. So um, the key for him is, is continuing to throw the ball down. But that was that was way better. I mean, he was, he was throwing downhill. Um, balls coming out good. So uh, that was good. Yeah, Patrick Corbin was better, but he still was bad. And that's the problem. You know, the bar for him has been lowered by so much. Uh, and then we had the Nats bullpen on Tuesday night. And I could do like an hour on what happened with the Nats bullpen on Tuesday night. Crazy game. For just the Nats bullpen in this game, five Nats relievers combined to allow three runs, one earned in five innings. Now, the first three Nats relievers in the game were outstanding. Uh, Steve Ciszek, perfect top of the seventh with two strikeouts. Erasmo Ramirez, perfect top of the eighth with three strikeouts. Kyle Finnegan, a perfect top of the ninth. I mean, you had bullpen excellence on display with what Ciszek, Ramirez, and Finnegan did to keep the game close. I mean, the Nats don't come back if not for the work of Ciszek and Ramirez especially. But the two Nats relievers who got used in extra innings on Tuesday night were not so good. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. in the top of the 10th allowed an unearned run. And just this top of the 10th uh, warrants like significant discussion here. So Edwards gave up a leadoff pinch single by Zach McKinstry to right field on a 1-2 pitch. Then came what ended up being ruled a force out off the bat of Rafael Ortega as a grounder to second baseman Cesar Hernandez resulted in McKinstry crashing into Hernandez. And this was a brutal collision, although somehow Hernandez held onto the baseball. That was impressive. Uh, But the umpires eventually ruled that McKinstry would have been out at second base, but did not rule that the Nats would have had the double play. Uh, Then Edwards issued a one-out hit-by-pitch of Nick Madrigal to load the bases, and then Edwards got Wilson Contreras to fly into what ended up being a one-out RBI sack fly double play, as on the play was the Cubs' automatic runner Ian Happ scoring from third base, but also was Rafael Ortega getting tagged out in a rundown between second and third base. Uh, That top of the 10th was a cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs half inning. Uh, And Victor Arano struggled in the top of the 11th. Uh, He allowed two runs, one earned, as he gave up a double and two singles and issued a wild pitch. So a lot to take in from this Nats game on Tuesday night. Game three for the Nats against the Cubs at Nationals Park, Wednesday afternoon at 105. Corey Abbott will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, make it five consecutive wins for the Orioles against the Toronto Blue Jays, including four wins over the last nine days. Uh, August 8th and 9th, the O's won back-to-back games over the Blue Jays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards in a three-game series that ended up being a two-game series due to a rainout. And now the O's have won each of the first two games of a three-game series at the Blue Jays. Uh, Monday night, a 7-3 win. Tuesday night, a 4-2 win as the O's, Joe Angel, again, were in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. Oh, yes, Joe. Oh, yes. Uh, the O's now are 61-55 and 55 and now are a mere half game behind the Blue Jays for the American League's third wildcard spot. Uh, the O's have been coming up so big 
in these big games against the Blue Jays over the last nine days. And no Oriole on Tuesday night came up bigger than starting pitcher Dean Kramer. Uh, The O's acquired Dean Kramer from the Los Angeles Dodgers in the trade package for third baseman slash shortstop Manny Machado in July 2018. Dean Kramer in the 2021 regular season at the major league level was a special kind of bad. Uh, He made 13 starts. He totaled 53 and two-thirds innings. He had an ERA of 755. He was horrendous. Uh, The O's during the 2021 regular season twice demoted Kramer to AAA Norfolk, and maybe the single worst outing by any Orioles pitcher in any game in the 2021 season was a Dean Kramer outing. June 24, 2021, a 9-0 loss to the Blue Jays in Buffalo. Kramer in that game, six runs and recorded just one out. Well, 14 months later, a much different story for Dean Kramer against the Blue Jays. Kramer on Tuesday night was great. Two runs in seven innings. Uh, He had six strikeouts versus one walk. He gave up seven hits, a homer, a double, and five singles. Uh, He threw a lot of strikes as he over 98 pitches threw 65 strikes versus just 33 balls. And Kramer did all of this despite beginning his outing in terrible fashion. Uh, Kramer, in a two-run first for the Blue Jays, gave up a leadoff infield single to George Springer on what was a tough play for shortstop Jorge Mateo, who did make a nice play, a spinning stab and throw of a grounder deep in the hole, but first baseman Ryan Mountcastle failed to hold on to the multi-hop throw. And then Kramer gave up a two-run line drive homer to Vladimir Guerrero to left field for a 2-0 Blue Jays lead. So before Dean Kramer even recorded an out, he had given up two runs. But then came the rest of his outing. And Kramer, for the rest of his outing, was outstanding. O's manager, Brandon Hyde, during his postgame session with reporters on Tuesday night on Dean Kramer. Just absolutely fantastic. So I'm just so, uh, you know, impressed, um, proud of him. You know, Dean's had some up and downs and the last couple of years and, and still a young starter in this league and to come in 40,000 people here in Toronto in a pennant race give up a two-run homer early and just absolutely settle in. That was the best pitch performance for him by far I've seen from the standpoint of how he used all of his pitches. Um, great mix. Him and Adley worked great together. He was unbelievably competitive. And I just, you know, that's huge for us and huge for him. For me, that's his, that's that shows you the kind of pitcher he can be. Is that a game that maybe gets away from him a year ago? I mean, possibly. Um, I, I think that he, you know, he's just getting an experience. And I, I really think that Red Sox experience honestly helped him um, by giving up some runs early, staying out there. Uh, had to, you know, he had a look on his face where that that wasn't going to happen anymore. That out for the, in that and that outing in Boston. And he carried over tonight. You know, Guerrero hit a 94 five mile hour fastball down and in. It's a two run homer. It's early. Um, it's a lot of game left, and he didn't let that unravel him. He continued to pitch and uh, make big pitches in big spots and throw a ton of strikes. Just, uh, you know, I think this is a great step forward for him.
Yeah, Dean Kramer now in the 2022 regular season, 13 starts, ERA of 358. He has been so much better this season as compared to how he was last season. Uh, Kramer was on the 10-day entered list for a while this season, April 11th, retroactive to April 8th to June 5th with a left oblique strain. He has had some bad starts. Uh, you know, his last start wasn't so great, and you heard Brandon Hyde reference this outing. A 4-3 loss at the Boston Red Sox last Thursday night. Kramer in that game, four runs in five and two-thirds innings. So he gave up six hits, four doubles, and two singles. He did, though, have six strikeouts versus one walk, and he did throw a lot of strikes. 87 pitches, 58 strikes versus 29 balls. Uh, more great work from the Orioles bullpen on Tuesday night. Uh, two Orioles relievers combined for two perfect innings. Dylan Tate, a perfect bottom of the eighth, lowering his ERA for the 2022 regular season to 244. And Felix Batista, a perfect bottom of the ninth with two strikeouts for the save, lowering his ERA for the 2022 regular season to 162. Uh, the O's on Tuesday night had just seven hits, but two of the hits were homers, and they came in back-to-back -back fashion. Uh, Cedric Mullins and Adley Rutschman, back-to-back, two-out homers in a two-run Orioles fifth. Uh, Mullins as the Orioles starting center fielder and number one batter, one for five with a solo homer. Andy went one for one on stolen bases. He, in that two-run fifth, had a two-out solo homer to right center field to cut the Orioles' deficit to 2-1. Uh, the homer went and projected 408 feet per stat cast. And Adley Rutschman as the Orioles' starting catcher and number two batter, two for four with a solo homer, a single, and a walk. Uh, the O's in the game drew five walks. Rutschman in the top of the third, a two-out five-pitch walk. Rutschman in that Orioles two-run fifth, a two-out solo homer to right field to tie the game at two. Uh, the homer went and projected 411 feet per stat cast. And Rutschman in the top of the ninth, a one-out opposite field single to left field. There also was this with Adley Rutschman on Tuesday. Uh, he, prior to the game, took ground balls at first base. And you wonder, as the O's are in the midst of this postseason push, if we might see some of Adley Rutschman at first base, if need be. Now, on the days on which Rutschman isn't catching, he is DHing. So it's not like there's some screaming need for him to be able to play first base, but it's notable that the O's had Rutschman taking grounders at first base on Tuesday. Uh, and then another hero for the O's on Tuesday night was Ryan McKenna uh, for a second straight game. The O's got meaningful contributions from Ryan McKenna. Uh, McKenna was the Orioles starting right fielder and number nine batter, one for three with an RBI single and a walk. Uh, McKenna in an Orioles two-run sixth, a two-out opposite field RBI single to right field for a 4-2 Orioles lead. And McKenna in the top of the ninth drew a leadoff five-pitch walk. So a lot to like from this game on Tuesday night for the O's. And also regarding the O's on Tuesday was this. Uh, MLB Pipeline coming out with an updated ranking of the top 100 prospects in baseball. The O's have six of the top 100 prospects. Yes, six. Not bad. Uh, the number two prospect in baseball is shortstop slash third baseman Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles. The number four prospect in baseball is starting pitcher Grayson Rodriguez of the O's. The number 14 prospect 
in baseball is shortstop Jackson Holiday of the O's. The number 43 prospect in baseball is outfielder Colton Kowser of the O's. The number 80 prospect in baseball is infielder Jordan Westberg of the O's. And the number 92 prospect in baseball is lefty starter D.L. Hall of the O's. So per MLB Pipeline, six of the top 100 prospects in baseball, two of the top four prospects in baseball, three of the top 14 prospects in baseball. Frame it however you want. The bottom line is this. These days, the good news just keeps coming if you're an O's fan. Uh, Game three for the O's at the Blue Jays Wednesday afternoon at 3.07. Austin Voth will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 379, will include plenty from 2022 Commanders Training Camp as they on Wednesday are scheduled to practice beginning at 9 a.m. Also, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles, each team with an afternoon game on Wednesday. The Nats on Wednesday afternoon at 1.05 will begin Game 3 of a three-game series against the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park. The O's on Wednesday afternoon at 3.07 will begin Game 3 of a three-game series at the Toronto Blue Jays. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Well, Antonio worked with the ones, the twos, and the threes. He's working with the special teams. Um, Brian Robinson worked with the ones, the twos, and he's worked with the threes as well. And he also working with special teams. Um, so, you know, that's what we're doing. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.